Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This 10th year of Daily Tech News Show is made possible by its listeners. Thanks to all of you, including Jim Hart, Logan Larson, and Mike Akins. Coming up on DTNS, tech to get plastic out of water has Apple captured Gen Z. And Tim Stevens is here to tell us about driving the world's fastest electric vehicle and why he now has a, a light bruise on his chest. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, February 21st, 2023 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. From Albany, New York, I'm Tim Stevens. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Chen. Uh, we, we're going to talk to you uh, quite a bit about, about the car uh, later on, Tim. But um, $2 million car. How is <laughs> how, how are you not like just a melting pool of anxiety after driving that? <laughs> Yeah, you, you really got to kind of put that aside and, and um, you know, you got to drive it like a normal car because you got to report on what it's like to drive. And if you're just tiptoeing around, you, you don't get the feel. Yeah. All right. Let's start with the quick hits. Microsoft's head, uh, gaming head, Phil Spencer, and Sony PlayStation head Jim Ryan are taking part in a closed-door hearing in Brussels Tuesday to make their case why Microsoft should or should not be allowed to acquire Activision Blizzard. Representatives from Google, NVIDIA, Valve, Electronic Arts, and the European Games Developer Federation are also there. Earlier in the day, Microsoft President Brad Smith announced a binding 10-year contract with Nintendo to provide games, specifically Call of Duty, to Nintendo the same day that they launch on Xbox, with full feature and content parity. Microsoft offered Sony a similar deal, but Sony has not accepted it as of yet. Dot, 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 yet. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's not looking good for this deal, but Microsoft's about to make its good play, so we'll see. Uh, the latest release of the Linux kernel version 6.2 adds upstream support for Apple's M1 Pro, Max, and Ultra chips. That's right. You can run Linux on Apple Silicon. Thanks in part to the work of Asahi Linux developer Alyssa Rosenzweig and team, which made the graphics support possible. Ubuntu will make Linux kernel 6.2 the default kernel in its 23.04 release. And it will also be included in Fedora 38, both of those expected in April. 
TikTok continues to try everything it can think of to avoid getting shut down in the U.S. the way it's been shut down in India. TikTok announced it will let researchers at U.S.-based nonprofit universities access public anonymized data through its API. This will include comments, likes, and favorites on video, as well as search results. Researchers can apply to TikTok's U.S. data security team to get that API access. The company is also introducing something called the Creativity Program in the U.S., which will expand monetization from the current creator fund. Details pretty scarce right now, but participants with enough followers and view counts who post high-quality original content can potentially make some money. Uh, it was just about eight days ago, uh, on February 13th, when we talked about the upcoming U.S. Supreme Court cases testing the safe harbor law known as Section 230. We'll have a link to that show in the show notes if you want to hear the detailed breakdown about those cases. But here's uh, the reminder. They're happening. Uh, Tuesday, the U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments in Gonzalez versus Google. That's the one that tests whether algorithmic recommenda- recommendations on YouTube are either a kind of moderation and thus protected by Section 230 or... Or not, and not protected by Section 230. On Wednesday, the court will hear Twitter versus Tomna. That one rests mostly on whether Twitter violated anti-terrorism laws somehow when they failed to take down specific tweets in a timely manner. There are exceptions to Section 230's protection regarding criminal speech, so that case is going to rest a little bit on where that line is drawn. We are getting the hearing. We are not going to get a decision until later this year. As people in large numbers use Bing's chatbot, don't call it Sydney, (laughs) they have uncovered some of his, let's call them less desirable quirks. You can debate whether beta testing in public is a good idea or not, but it might be the only way to get the kind of massive usage that can uncover these types of things and make them better going forward. In response to the fact that Bing tends to get a little bit more unusual the longer you talk to it, Microsoft is now limiting users to five chat turns per session and 50 chat turns per day. That seems to be enough for most users to get the answers that they're looking for. Also, context will be cleared at the end of sessions to prevent the model from getting confused. Search Engine Journal reports that 71% of Bing's chatbot users have been giving it a thumbs up. They don't think it's that crazy. They actually think it's pretty helpful or cool or at least different. Microsoft will also start testing another option that lets users choose the tone of chat with options for precise, that would be shorter, more focused answers, creative, which are longer and more chatty answers, or balanced for a bit of both. Uh, too bad they didn't uh, give unbalanced as one of the options. Yeah, yeah. unhinged. <laughs> give me something unhinged. Yeah. All right, that is a look at the quick hits. Uh, let's talk about Gen Z. The Financial Times reports that according to ad tech platform Attain, folks born after 1996, a.k.a. Generation Z, make up 34% of all U.S. iPhone users. Uh, by comparison, Samsung has 10% of Gen Z's age group. Research from CounterPoint shows that iPhone grew its overall U.S. market share of actual phone usage from 35% in 2019 to 50% in 2022, which has a lot to do with the Gen Z crowd pouring into the iPhone market. Older users in the U.S., on the other hand, tend to be more evenly split between iOS and Android. 
Yeah, so that's U.S., but outside of the U.S., iPhone usage among young adults, a little bit less pronounced. But research from Canalys that looked at Western Europe found 83% of iPhone users that are under the age of 25 did not plan to switch to another platform. Now, if you compare that to Android users, less than half of those users in the same age group plan to stay on Android. Canalys research also shows that globally, for every 100 iPhone shipped, Apple will sell 26 iPads, 17 Apple Watches, and 35 pairs of AirPods. If you compare that to Samsung, uh, 100 smartphone shipments leads to fewer than 11 tablets, six smartwatches, and six wireless earbuds. Aha. Uh-huh. So Apple's way to keep you in the garden definitely. The ecosystem is working. Seems to work. Yeah. Uh, I, I've noticed uh, my nieces who are in their 20s and in the Gen Z cohort uh, tend to use iPhones as well. Financial Times story is titled How Apple Captured Gen Z in the U.S. and Changed Their Social Circles. But Mac rumors put it more confrontationally. Uh, they titled their story, Apple's Popularity with Gen Z Poses Challenges for Android. Tim Stevens, is this a passing fad or do you think Apple may have captured the youth and assured its own future? Uh, I do think they've done a remarkable job of capturing the youth, but I think what this really comes down to is iMessage. I mean, I think if there was any doubt about why Apple has been so reluctant to open up iMessage to get rid of you know green bubbles, uh, now we know why. Um, this is this is proving to be a remarkable, effective marketing tool for them. It shows that peer pressure is still alive and well in Gen Z. Uh, people don't want to have people in their groups who are not on uh, on the iOS platform. And you know, if you look at other markets uh, like in Europe or in Asia, where uh, other options are are more popular. Things WeChat, that kind of thing. Um, the the numbers are different, so it really shows that people just don't want to have Android people in their circle of friends, and people want to be in the circle of friends, so they're buying iPhones, and that's a little bit sad, but it's proving to be very effective for Apple, as we can see. I mean, I, I, as far as the younger set goes, not to say that uh, older people <laughs> like myself aren't impressionable, uh, but I was more impressionable when I was in my early twenties. Um, I actually had this. I message thing happened recently. This is a bunch of people who are my age, so nobody is in the Gen Z category. But we were all at a wedding. It was a destination wedding. Everybody's trying to coordinate. Where are you? Let's go to dinner. Blah blah blah. I don't know. There are maybe twelve of us on this uh, iMessage group. I say iMessage because one person out of the group mm-hmm. had an Android phone, and I mean they didn't do anything wrong. But the whole chat was everything was wonky. Attachments weren't loading correctly. You'd get somebody liking someone's post without saying something, but it would render strange. You know, and finally we were like, we have to move to WhatsApp. This is unusable. It it really actually it wasn't really anybody trying to shame the Android user. It was it it was you can't really follow the chat, at least in the context we were using it for. So that is a real thing, and that is something that Apple is well aware of. And uh, you know, I don't think blue uh and green text message bubbles are the entire reason that younger folks don't want iPhone or, or do want iPhones rather, rather than Android. You also, I don't know, back in the day, I guess I might've thought, Oh, you know, if you're using an Android phone, maybe you paid less for it. Mm. Now that could still be true, but I mean, that's not what Android means anymore. I mean, there are Android phones that are, you know, much pricier than the last iPhone that I bought. So it's not about like financial status so much as just, I guess, going with the flow. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because iPhones definitely are still at the higher end of the market. And when I was in my 20s, I don't think I would have been able to afford an equivalent iPhone. Granted, it was in the 90s before that was even a thing. Uh, but but uh, but you're right. It's It's not like having an Android phone immediately is cheap. So 
maybe that, 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 I don't know. I think there's a lot more going on here because as your story pointed out, Sarah, if Apple's not careful, they're going to force people onto other platforms because their people get tired of the iMessage thing. I really think Apple should support RCS for that reason. Uh, and then the red bubble, blue bubble thing is still going to work to its advantage, but breaking chat is going to push people off. And, and I agree with you that it's not the only reason that, that I think there's just the Apple has done a good job of marking itself as a, a hip young brand. Uh, and Samsung does a fairly good job, but, you know, the evidence points that maybe they're not doing as good of a job. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of talk right now about plastics. Not you know, This isn't like from The Graduate. Uh, we're talking about people being concerned about plastics showing up in your food or your drink. I don't know how many times over the past couple of weeks I've heard someone say, do you know you, you eat an entire rubber duck's worth of plastic or some made-up uh, statistics? But there are real statistics out there. The World Health Organization notes that nine studies have found microplastics in drinking water, not just fresh water, but actual drinking water, uh, in a range anywhere between zero and 10,000 particles per liter. There hasn't been enough work done to say just how much of a danger this is, but if you'd just rather not drink plastic in your water, uh, there are people working on filters. Yeah, so current carbon-based filtering systems, they work slowly and require a decent amount of energy. So, one promising take comes from scientists at Daegu Gwangbuk Institute of Science and Technology, or DGIST, led by Professor Park Chi-young. Yeah, they created a porous polymer uh, called a covalent triazine framework, uh, but you could just call it CTF for short, uh, created from an inexpensive precursor material, so not expensive to make. That's a big advantage right there. And they exposed it to some mild oxidation so that it attracts water and has some microscopic pits and holes that can capture pollutants as the water goes through. Reportedly, more than 99.9% of the pollutants can be removed within 10 seconds. This thing's cheap to make. Uh, It works fast and you don't need to power it. Uh, The CTF filter can be reused multiple times as well. It's not one and done. So it's cheap, works well, and it can be reused. Yeah, they also built a solar-powered version that uses heat to remove volatile organic compounds. Those are found in things like paints, solvents, other indoor materials that you don't want to drink. They have a prototype that combines this one with the microplastics one to remove 99.9% of both types of pollutants. Their findings were published as the cover paper for the 50th edition of Advanced Materials in September. They obviously know people are interested in learning more. I, I, I am as well. I'm not... I'm not uh, totally sure how much microplastic uh, drinking I'm doing and if I am doing it, how much that is potentially harming me. But not knowing is enough for me to be really interested in knowing how to get them out just in case they do end up being harmful in the future. Yeah, Tim, how are you feeling about drinking plastic these days? Yeah, I mean, it is too early to tell, but obviously, you know, these things are, are so microscopic that it's easy to see how they could become embedded in your organs, and that's not a good thing. I'm lucky to be out in the woods. My wood comes out, or my wood, my uh, water comes out of the ground and goes back into the, the ground, so I'm relatively comfortable that my water is, you know, on the lower end of the scale. But certainly, you know, this is definitely a major concern, I think, for a lot of people. And it's good to see some manufacturers or some brands starting to become more aware of this as well, especially on the clothing side, because a lot of these particles come from synthetic fabrics that are washed 
washed and then then you know these microfibers come off of there so patagonia for example i think you can get a uh, a filter that you could put in your washing machine that will help to reduce the amount of plastics that you're putting out into the environment which is great uh, it'd be great to see more brands kind of getting ahead of this as well rather than waiting for the scientific research and waiting for these solutions which are which are proving to be a little bit slow to come i think yeah i'm, I'm gonna guess this is getting a second you know because this paper came out in september i'm guessing this is getting a second wind partly because of the buzz around plastics that that i was talking about earlier but they're probably looking for funding for for some kind of spin-off startup uh, that happens at mit all the time i can't imagine it wouldn't happen at dgist as well uh the thing that that makes me positive about this is i'm not willing to go you know to great expense to filter my water for plastics yet until i know more but if it's cheap if I, you know, if I can spend 10 bucks and, and put a filter on my water and, and this thing just works and I have to, I have to replace the filter, you know, once a month uh, or something, I would absolutely go for that just, just to, to keep the, the water clean. So this, this does sound promising. I know there's a lot of other water filter technologies out there. And in fact, if you you know them or you're working on them in the audience, please email us feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We'd love to hear about it. But this one yeah. does sound pretty promising to me. You know, a lot of this, too, is this reminds me of, thankfully, knock on wood, everybody, uh, there hasn't been a huge fire issue in my neck of the woods in Northern California, um, but we've had some pretty crazy seasons. Um, yeah. And that has affected all of California and, and many other places in the world as well. And so many of my friends, especially who have young kids and didn't always, mm-hmm. you know, have invested in all sorts of air purifying filters and, you know, figuring out how to say, stay as safe as possible. Now, obviously, smoke inhalation is different than drinking microplastics. But uh, this feels like, hey, if we can, if we can prove that you can, you can be healthier, even if you're not necessarily going to be sick, right? But if you can just avoid the potential of becoming sick going down the road... Um, you know, or, or having something that can that can be um, traced back to the water that you're drinking, not being as clean um, and filtered as possible. They're just going to sell lots of this stuff. Yeah. It's, you know, even if it's preventative, it's like, why not? I, I hope it really works as well as the paper makes it sound because the paper yeah. makes it yeah. makes it sound like it mm-hmm. works, works really well. Um, can't wait to hear from the person who, who has therapeutic uses for eating plastic, though. They, you know, there's always another side to, to, to every argument. Uh, folks, uh, are you that person? Uh, what would you like to hear us talk about on this show? One way to let us know is our subreddit. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model in the market perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit 
Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. When people talk about EVs, the names that invariably come up are Tesla, of course, maybe Rivian, BYD, Kia, Ford, Volkswagen. But the industry is filled with specialty makers as well who target specific niches like performance. One of these is Croatia's Remax Automobili. In 2013, Remax introduced the Concept One EV supercar. You may have heard of that. It claimed to be the fastest accelerating EV in the world. Well, Tim Stevens wrote an article for The Verge called Bending Physics Inside Remax Plan to Make the Fastest EV on the Planet. I highly recommend you read that full article to get the full flavor of his experience. But for now, Tim, uh, tell us about your trip to Croatia to drive the Nevera, a $2 million, 1,914 horsepower, all-electric car. <laughs> yeah, the, the numbers are pretty astonishing. Uh, this is the world's fastest EV. They just set that record a, a couple of months ago, 258 miles an hour on a closed track, which makes it, yeah, the, the fastest EV in the world. And acceleration from 0 to 60 in 1.8 seconds, um, which is uh, honestly uncomfortable. That is not a pleasant experience <laughs> to be going uh, to accelerate from 0 to 60 that quickly. Uh, I opened in my piece. Uh, we were going through the different drive modes, and I was in the passenger seat to kind of get a feel for the car before I got to drive. And the test driver was in cruise mode, which is the second slowest mode. And he said, okay, I'm going to put my foot on the floor just so you can get a sense for the acceleration. And I was taking notes on my phone, and the phone flew out of my hand and smacked me in the chest so hard it left a bruise because it was just that brutal. And we weren't even in the faster modes of the car yet. So <laughs> remarkably quick. Um, and, you know, these cars are large they're wide they're hard to drive but this thing was just honestly quite pleasant to drive the suspension was reasonably comfortable and even you know with that much horsepower it was pretty easy to dawdle around through some narrow roads in the outskirts of uh, of zagreb in croatia there uh, but yeah when you got in the throttle a little bit deeper it was uh, pretty remarkable to say the least yeah, EVs have, have are known for having pretty good acceleration because of continuous variable transmission and stuff like that. How much do we know about how they are supercharging that acceleration with this one? <laughs> yeah, most EVs, they have really good torque off the line, but they kind of peter out when yeah, you get yeah. high, high speed because they run out of torque pretty quickly. This thing, though, yeah, obviously has a lot of torque all the way through. And one interesting thing that, that makes this EV uh, pretty different compared to your average Tesla, that kind of thing, is that there are four electric motors, one for each wheel. And that not only gives, obviously, a lot of power, but it also gives a lot of control. Uh, one of the, the things that I drove over was I was accelerating hard over uh, an overpass, which had these kind of diagonal metal uh, separators on the road. And I could feel each motor scaling back as I went over the, these metal dividers because the grip was lower than on the asphalt. And as soon as that tire got over the metal back on the asphalt, that motor then powered up again to give me full thrust. Uh, and that's really remarkable. It's checking, I think, every 100 times a second, uh, each grip at each corner of the car, and it can scale back power at each wheel individually, which is which is pretty remarkable. Well, to be clear, if you had done that speed in a car that wasn't checking a hundred times a second, 
and it had just powered through, you would you would have skidded out, right? Yeah, the the test driver who was in passenger seat at that point said that if the car hadn't been actively looking and throttling back power, the car would have speared into the wall more quickly than any really any human could react realistically because that much power going down, That's it would wild. have spun out the wheels on the metal part immediately, and it would have just ended in tears basically. And this has uh, autonomous systems as well, because now that you say that, I, I kind of want an autonomous <laughs> system to help that error correct for me. Uh, it does not. Uh, it does have certainly you know driver assistance systems where it's going to be uh, you know cruise control and that kind of thing, but also stability and traction control as well to make sure that you don't uh, go spinning into the wall. As it helped me in that situation, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, Remac is working on autonomous shuttles as well. That's another part of their business that they're working to develop uh, fully driverless vehicles uh, for use in Croatia and elsewhere in the world. But this car, no, this. Is one that you get to drive for yourself. Yeah. So, so what's the point uh, of this? I mean, obviously, they might might sell a few two million dollar cars to a, to a couple yeah. of billionaires uh, around the world. But is is this calling attention to the rest of the business? Uh, or or we, yeah, like, what about the rest of us? Yeah, who say, yeah. Great car. <laughs> if it was more like you know fifty grand. Yeah, this is basically a halo car for the brand. So they're basically showing this is what we can do when the sky is the limit. But they are uh, making a lot of money through engineering partnerships with other manufacturers, and those manufacturers do t- tend to be prestige manufacturers like Aston Martin, uh, but they're doing hybrid systems for other brands and basically working to bring that technology to more attainable cars, cars that are still in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, unfortunately. Uh, but certainly it, it, it's beginning to to create and show the, the level of, of advancement of simple technology that can trickle down, which is great. And they want to be partnering with other manufacturers. Porsche is a major investor of theirs, so I think it's pretty reasonable to expect that at some point we might see some Remax technology instead of a Porsche. And we're still talking about expensive cars, but you know, not $2 million expensive at least. Yeah, I, I think it is. It was interesting, and and you go into detail in the, in the article uh, about the fact that this company shouldn't really be in Croatia. It's only in Croatia because Remak himself just really wanted it to stay in Croatia. Yeah, the company grew out of Mate. Remac basically blowing up the motor on his BMW and deciding to make it into an EV and then getting funding dis- despite all odds. You know, no investors, no startups wanted to work with him in Croatia, but he was was very stubborn about that, and he was quite quite honest about the, the struggles of that when i spoke with him he said that he had some regrets but ultimately he was very proud they've got over two thousand employees there now and it is considered to be among the best if not the best employer in in the entirety of croatia yeah and and making parts you know chassis make technology I, I probably parts is the wrong word but but making things for a lot of other car manufacturers like you said so it's not it's not putting all its eggs in one basket Right. And and now Remac Group, which is kind of the parent company there, it now is in control of Bugatti, which is one oh, wow. of the most historic sports car manufacturers and one of the most prestigious sports car manufacturers in the world. And now Mate Remac is, is in control of Bugatti as well. So that shows you know the amount of respect that he's been able to earn in a short amount of time, largely, again, based on that engineering skill that he has and that all of his employees there in Zagreb have as well. Very cool. Thank you. Uh, well, indeed cool. Also cool. Uh, listen to this one. A team of scientists at Columbia University Medical Center led by a dermatology and tissue engineering doctor, Albert Papalardo, successfully nurtured a cluster of skin cells designed to adhere to a mouse's hind leg and be accepted as its own tissue. In under 10 minutes, the procedure was over and Papalardo says it was a perfect fit. Now, this is significant, not just because it worked on a mouse, but because it could help people with burns or really any animal that has a large wound to cover irregular shapes 
with real and functional skin. The lab-grown material is known as a skin construct, a sheet of human cells that can be implanted on a wound that's otherwise too big for a graft from another body part. Papillarder's team published their success in Science Advances on January 27th, describing a three-dimensional or edgeless graft shaped to fit a body part without having to create seams, which in the past have led to strange shapes uh, and, you know, not great mobility um, and, you know, things that just don't really look like what they're supposed to look like. A 3D printer made the scaffold that let skin cells grow into the desired shape. Then Papillardo seeded those human cells in layers around the scaffold, letting the cells build themselves a network of structural molecules. Now, if you haven't watched the video of this already, uh, trigger warning for those who get freaked out by small disembodied hands, because they, they, they show a very compelling demo of growing skin for a hand uh, on, on, the, on the small hand scaffold that, that's incredibly impressive, but also just unusual looking. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a tiny glove, Tom. Just, just tell yourself that. It's a it's tiny, a tiny, tiny glove skin tiny glove. Hand. Yeah. 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 And, and and incredible technology for for treating so many things like like burns and and that sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously the clinical trials. You know, if you say, you know, I know somebody who could benefit from this, where do I sign? Uh, you know, or who do I call? Um, we're certainly a ways out from there yet, but. It sounds like the researchers were, uh, you know, beyond impressed with not only the fact that this worked, but it worked in a really short amount of time. You know, this was not like a oh, nine-hour yeah. surgery, right, right. you know, or something that you mm-hmm. know took months to kind of grow in a lab type thing. Right. Uh, it 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 worked as advertised. You Skin know? graft uh, surgery can be really long, right? From what I understand, so yes, long mm-hmm. and you know, with with uh, you know, not necessarily the greatest of results. Maybe better than what you were working with before, but yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is uh, it's very promising. All right, let's check out the mailbag. Yeah, so we had a conversation last week uh, about the mill, uh, which is a, uh, a device that helps you separate compostable materials from inorganic materials and just kind of make composting a, uh, a more uh, <laughs> fine as sand uh, in the house. Basically, it just makes the whole process a little bit easier, but for a price. Thor wrote in, uh, Thor lives uh, in Sweden and said, the mill composter sounds awesome. I'd love to have a bin that reduces smell and results in something we could use for our plants. Hopefully, they'll also sell it as a standalone product at some point, because as Thor is pointing out, there is a subscription service. Thor said, although my food waste doesn't go entirely to waste now either. When I live in Tonsberg, the buses ran on biodiesel that was created from municipal food waste. Uh, now Thor and Anthony and Chris, I don't think y'all know each other, but Anthony and Chris, um, have some promising, uh, um, products besides the mill. Anthony said, we found a great product called Lomi. That's L O M I. It's a bit pricey. It's $499, but we love it. It takes all our food waste, paper towels, napkins, plasticware, anything compostable and converts it to loam. It drastically reduces the volume of the compost and eliminates the odor. No need to send back to the company. You just dump it in your normal compost bucket. There are consumables involved, but it costs us $42 per quarter, which is much more reasonable than $33 per month. Chris also wrote in 
and said, "I've been using the food cycler by Vitamix for a couple of years. Does the same thing as the mill. It grinds and dehydrates food waste. Our family accumulates the food waste into a large planter pot over the winter, and in the spring, it gets mixed into our planter beds." Well, first of all, thank you to Chris and Anthony for sending in the links to those. Uh, we'll have those in our show notes because I know a bunch of you out there were wondering, like, "Hey, could I just buy the mill?" Well. Not from mill, but you can buy something just like it uh, from other places. Uh, so thanks for that. One of the keys about the mill was that you didn't keep the 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 sand. <laughs> you didn't keep the yeah. powder that it made. <laughs> you mailed it to them, and they disposed of it. And I think Anthony and Chris were like, "Well, why would I do that? I can just compost it myself." But that left me thinking, well, I guess the one thing Mill still would appeal to is somebody who doesn't have anywhere to compost or doesn't want to deal with the compost, maybe doesn't live in a city that collects the compost. And so this would be a solution for an apartment dweller in that situation where like, I don't want to have a bunch of powder and have to deal with it. Great for those of you who garden, but I don't garden. The mill might still be useful for them, but still pricey at $33 a month to do that. Yeah. So I think building it into a municipal collection is probably the way to go for that. But yeah, very much for non-gardeners or people without any kind of land in their living situation. Flower haters unite. <laughs> We've got the product for you, but it's not free. Yeah. The flower lovers, though, Anthony and Chris have got you hooked up uh, with some yeah. standalone solutions. You got some options. Something for everybody. Yeah, if you if you if if you we ever talk about something on the show and you say I've got feedback, I've got a product, I've got something to say. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where to send us that email. Thank you in advance. Also, thanks to you, Tim Stevens, for being with us today. Um, besides driving in pretty cool, fancy cars, let folks know where they can keep up with your work. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, timstevens.substack.com if you want to get a couple emails from me every now and again, or I'm uh, Tim underscore Stevens on the Twitter if you're still hanging out over there. <laughs> Many people are, um, and thanks for being with us today. Thank also, you. thanks to our brand new bosses. We've got Craig, we've got Aaron, we've got Malcolm, and we've got Sam, who all just started backing us on Patreon since we saw you last. Thanks to all of you. Craig, Aaron, Malcolm, Sam, big round of applause from here. Nice long three-day weekend, but four new bosses. All right? Yeah. I love yeah. that. Craig, mm-hmm. Aaron, Malcolm, Sam, the Fantastic Four. Uh, welcome them other patrons and all of you, Craig, Aaron, Malcolm, Sam, and all of you patrons, stick around for the extended show, Good Day Internet. We're going to talk about Twitter deciding to charge people extra to secure their accounts with SMS while leaving unpaid users the more secure options. I, I think I have a way to make some sense of that. So patrons, stick around. You can also catch our show live Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern at 2100 UTC. If you can join us live, we'd love to have you. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We're back doing it all again tomorrow with Scott Johnson joining us. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.